Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and my guest today has worked on some of the biggest TV shows of all time. He was a writer on Seinfeld and is a writer, director, and producer on Curb Your Enthusiasm, as well as one of the co-creators of The League. It's the wonderfully funny Jeff Schaefer. He talked about his new Netflix show that he made with his brother called Bruise Brothers, working with Lil Dicky on the FXX show Dave, and how he came up with the idea of a Festivus poll. This interview was recorded in April over a Zoom chat, so please forgive any audio weirdness. In a weird way, you're such a good mascot for culture because you are such a touchpoint of culture in the 90s, 2000s, and currently. Um, but let's start with the obligatory stuff. Obviously, the world where we're in this pandemic right now, how are you and your family holding up uh, being at home? Um, everyone's doing well. Um, my wife, who's an amazing writer, director, producer, is uh, currently um, playing um, assistant school teacher with Zooms for a six-year-old and a seven-year-old in different classes, and it's bonkers. So uh, it's been, <laughs> it's Thunderdome here. <laughs> it's just full-on Thunderdome at this point. And is there any like tips or tricks you guys have for uh, parents? Because obviously there's a lot of parents going through a very similar situation or things people shouldn't do. <laughs> my, my stress therapy seems to be doing dishes. So... And now I've gotten very OCD about the dishes. Like I'm always, I'm like focused on the dishes because I was supposed to be like, you have to help. Okay, I'll do the dishes. And then I started to get like, I don't know. I'm like, <laughs> I see my personality or whatever. I'm like so clear on the dishes. Like she's like, stop doing the dishes right now. It's okay if there's a few dishes. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm, like, I'm trying to eradicate every dirty dish, um, which I think says, I don't know. I'm, I'm learning something about myself. So there's <laughs> there's so much to talk about, Jeff. Um, but let's talk about Dave just right off the bat here. So Dave, it just the trailer looks wild. It's it looks funny. Tell me what it's about, and um, yeah, what we should expect from it. Dave the show is about Dave Bird the man, who is also really known as Little Dicky the rapper. Um, and that sounds a little confusing, and that's sort of the point. It's really it's a show about. Dave Bird, who a few weeks ago put out a viral video. So it's his life six years ago. He just put out a viral video. He has gotten a teeny bit of notoriety for that, but he wants to be known as a, leg as a legitimate rapper. And how does, he, how does he go from viral hit to being thought as one of the best rappers of all time, which is what he really wants to be? Um, there are a few obstacles with that. One, he's never performed live. He's never even performed in front of his girlfriend. He's never rapped publicly, yet he's sure, he's positive he's going to be one of the greatest rappers of all time, somehow. And it's this first year is his sort of quest for legitimacy um, from becoming a, a nobody to a sort of nobody. And how did you get involved with this? Because I know like uh, Dave uh, Bird, uh, his... Uh, rapper name Little Lil Dicky. Uh, like if there was kind of videos that popped up here and there, but how did you find out about him? How did the show come about? A friend of mine who is one of the producers on the show now, my former agent said, "Hey, I really want you to take a meeting with Dave uh, with Little Dicky and, and Scooter Braun." And I wasn't looking to do a show at the moment. I was pretty busy with Curb, and I was like, "I'll take the meeting." I mean, I knew who I knew who Little Dicky was, so I took the meeting and. Right from the get-go, 
Dave started telling me these stories and there were stories that I thought were really funny and they were funny in the way I write stories. They were funny like curb stories. His experiences were like curb experiences. And I thought, oh, this guy actually has a really good sense of humor. He has the sense of humor I like. Um, so that was one thing. I was immediately intrigued that way. But the other thing, and I just kept thinking to myself, what does that do to everyone else around him? His girlfriend, his best friends. No one can believe in him as much as he believes in himself. He's like, he's like a crazy rap Don Quixote, right? And like, <laughs> yeah. I thought, this is like an interesting, this is an interesting engine for a TV show. So yes, yeah, so we just kept talking and it became sort of uh, like obvious that there was a really cool show here. And then uh, again, the trailer itself, there looks like there's just like hints and touches of, I want to say Sasha Baron Cohen in there. Um, does that kind of come from you and your work or does that come from Dave or the writers? Well, I think both. So I think the, the thing that we wanted to do, the, one of our North stars for this show was authenticity. Dave wanted it to be very true to his own personal experience. Um, and luckily he's got a vast well of awkward <laughs> things that have happened to him, much like Larry, <laughs> by the way. He's, you know, his body is covered in awkward scars. So we just start showing them, but we wanted to be super authentic. And I think, um, and we wanted to talk about things that matter. And I think that's one thing from Sasha who always told us when we were, you know, with Bruno or whatever, it was like, make sure that, um, you know, make sure that the person that you're hitting, there's a point to it. Make sure that it's a valid target. And so I think that has translated to this show where we talk about a lot of things. I think people will be very surprised if they've just seen Dave's little Dickie videos. I think they'll be very surprised at the depth that this show has and like how much it has to say, um, whether it's mental illness in the black community, whether it's, you know, uh, you know, body, like being confident with your body, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, appropriation issues um, and just issues about creativity. It has, um, there's, it has a lot on its mind. And I think in a very good way. Growing up, I have distinct memories of really hating most sitcoms, disliking them, like Three's Company. Ah, it's so stupid. I loved Monty Python. I loved, you know, Peter Sellers and like, the Pink Panther movies, those things, and like that and Monty Python, I could watch all day, but like, and I, and I think, you know, I'm just trying to do things that haven't been seen before. Like, that's one of my favorite things is when we're shooting on set, you know, this crazy thing happens and it happens the way you want it to. And I usually just say behind the monitors, I go, oh, you don't see that on TV every day. And just, and I think, you know, with these shows, whether it's, you know, whether it's Curb or Dave or Bruce Brothers, like th there's a ton of stuff that you just don't see on TV every day. And that's what I'm trying to do. And, and then um, I, let's talk about Curb for a second, because uh, like many people, I devoured this last season. And but as the real world started to morph around us, the show kind of went from being a commentary on society to kind of like an escape. I'm wondering, what was that like for you guys who had worked on Curb as things started getting more serious with the pandemic and you guys are dropping new episodes. Is that, did that change the meaning of some of that or the setting for some of the, uh, the jokes? Yes. I mean, it's so weird. I mean, between episode seven and 10, but between that, you know, seven and our season finale, the world totally changed. And by the season finale, when we're, 
you know, putting Latte Larry and Mocha Joes are ablaze in this inferno. Like we, it was this carefully, um, it was the end of like a complete long mousetrap that we'd done all season. And now all anybody can think of is, oh my God, look at all that Purell they burned. <laughs> yeah. They just burned all the Purell. <laughs> and, yeah, the world completely changed on us in like three weeks. Um, but I think people were happy to have the escape and um, we were happy to provide it for them. Oh, I, I know I could say I, I was so grateful for those, for those Sunday nights and just that little 30, 40 minutes sometimes. Uh, and then the whole celebrity spite store stuff was just, yeah, that, that was magic. Obviously, okay, so Curb is known for taking its time, uh, you know, announcing a new season, sometimes it goes years. Um, I'm wondering for you guys, what does it take to fall in place for you guys to be like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to do another one? Is it like, just Larry, or is it a, a, a variety of factors? It's really Larry. I mean, you know, the last few seasons, it's just been Larry and, and me doing the show. So, you know, every season, every season's the final season. I mean, for, since the end of season five, the final episode was called The End, and he meant it. So he went up to heaven. He died. He came back. So, so every season... That's it. And I finally figured out why. And it's because once the season is completed, every good idea that Larry has, he's put into that season. And so he doesn't have any more ideas that he loves. So why would he ever do another season? It's impossible because he would never want to do a season with less, with material that he didn't love. And I realized, oh, Larry is the only person on earth who thinks he's not going to have another good idea. So... <laughs> so it goes like that. It's like, so the season's over, you know, we edit, we're all done with the editing. And then I have an office next to his and he'll, he'll say like, you know, we're not doing another season. And I go, I know, but if I did, I only have one idea. And I go, okay, you want to talk about it? It's a waste of time. Well, we can talk about it. So we talk about it. And then he's like, you want to start writing some stuff down? I guess, I don't know. And it goes like this until we have about seven episodes. <laughs> and then we say, I say, well, we should call HBO because we got to crew up because we're doing another season. Now. <laughs> it's so he never wants to be on the hook to feel like he has to do it. Um, but logistically, from a writing standpoint, how it starts is we start by tossing around ideas about what's the season arc. And it doesn't mean every episode has to touch on it, but it gives you like a, this sort of just spine you can hang other stuff on. Uh, and then, and then you sort of go from, then it's just, what are the funny stories? And I'm wondering too, like, uh, we're, there's some, I'm going to talk about the league too, but, um, with like writing these shows, obviously, uh, Dave sounds like it's very, a very thick character driven thing. Sasha Baron's cone stuff is very, his characters are being put in these situations where fictional or, um, or somewhat realistic, but I'm wondering like, how much does the story factor into something like curb or the league like balancing that with the characters the i mean here's the thing seinfeld curb and the league were all written the exact same way coming up with funny stories and then going onto a dry erase board and trying to figure out the comedy geometry of how to interweave these stories together to a fun ending for seinfeld once we had the structure you spend a few days writing the script curb we have the outline and you may have, and then the league was sort of in between just cause I like to put more jokes in the outline. So I don't have to look at another document. 
And also we had six characters. So there's a little more air traffic control, but then you've got the story's already funny. Then you get really funny people, improvisers telling in their own way, and then you rewrite it live in front of the cameras and you hone it and you get these magical digressions. And then you put it all together in the edit room and pick the best stuff. And then I think this kind of flows right into uh, Bruise Bros, which uh, I know you made or produced with your brother, uh, who's the creator. Um, tell me a little bit about that show. It's, it's really a story about two brothers. It's really a love story about two brothers who are completely different, have been estranged for a long time. And it's a way to sort of, and each one of them sort of represents a portion of this craft brewery movement, which has been a bubble that's just been swelling and swelling for the last few years. Um, you know, people used to go to a bar to get drunk and now you go to a craft brewery and you have to sit there and listen to someone talk about the, you know, the apricot notes in their stout. Um, <laughs> and it's just unnecessary. So one of the brothers, the younger one, Wilhelm is like, is social and, you know, is the kind of guy who like take you into the back and drink beers with you and never charge you and just runs a very poor business, which seems like, I mean, a craft brewery is an impossible job. Like if you're doing, running a craft brewery, you're doing that because you love beer. And now you're around and drinking beer all the time and you're supposed to run like a, an efficient business. That's never going to happen. Um, and then Adam, the older brother, is a total beer snob. He's a, like a beer sommelier, which is called a Cicerone. Hmm. And he could not care less if one human being comes into this, comes into this brewery. He just wants to make the perfect beer. So one's about the perfect hang, the other's about the perfect beer. And they just, you know, in the beginning cannot get out of their way at all. And it's, and we sort of watch the struggles of this brewery. I sort of say it's like, it's like Silicon Valley watching a small business grow um, with a hundred less IQ points. Um, <laughs> so, and, you know, by the end of the show, they're actually working together and so much so that they want to, want to actually stay in business together, which proves to be disastrous. But it's a, it's a really fun look, both at family and at the sort of craft brewery movement, which is uh, sort of taken over, um, I think taken over, like it's the new bar. On your Wikipedia page, you're credited with creating the Festivus poll on Seinfeld. Is that true? The Festivus, all credit for Festivus belongs to uh, a Seinfeld writer and a Silicon Valley writer and a, a Veep writer now, um, named Danny O'Keefe, who uh, we went to college with. And he's a brilliant writer who actually suffered through the real Festivus. His father created Festivus as a alternative to the commercialism of the holidays. And so the O'Keefe brothers like literally lived with this airing of grievances and all of these things. Um, and so Danny was telling us about this one day at lunch at Seinfeld. And I looked at Alec Berg, my writing partner, and we just said to Danny, we go, you know, we're going to do this on the show, right? And he goes, what? No, no one wants to see this. That's crazy. You're not doing this. I go, oh, no, we're doing it. And then he goes, no, no, please don't. Please don't. I go, no, no, we're, <laughs> we're going to do this. But we needed, like, in the real, real O'Keefe household there wasn't a, enough of a centerpiece. I think there was like a clock in a bag or something. I don't know. We needed some, we needed some, you know, transmogrified version of a, of a Christmas tree. So we came up with the Festivus poll. So yeah, I, I guess I came up with the Festivus poll, but all credit, all credit for Festivus is Danny, who is now every, every holiday season reliving this public 
his public airing of his private nightmare. I would say it's like, uh, yeah, by sharing that one story, he's now having to constantly revisit that decades later. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I just sent him, last Christmas, I just sent him some Festivus maple syrup. <laughs> oh, man. So the name of this podcast is called uh, I'm So Obsessed, and I'm curious, what are you so obsessed about? What am I so obsessed about? Well, the first one is very easy. Um, the Seattle Seahawks. And now the league uh, wrapped up five years ago, and I'm wondering, now that you've had some distance from the show, when you look back on it, what does it mean to you uh, when you look back at it the, all these years later? The best. It's just my favorite experience of all time. I can't tell you how amazingly blessed Jackie and I were to work with that cast. I mean, that cast is the, just the funniest on the planet. I mean, they, it was just an amazing thing to sit there and watch and be a part of it, watching them all go. And, and it was such a intimate experience. There was no other, there were no other writers on set. There were no other directors on set. There were no other producers on set. It was just us and the cast making this thing every day. Um, and I loved it. Um, I want to wrap up a thing called Pick One, and I'm going to give you two options, and you pick one. There's not a, a better or worse. You could talk it out if you want, but it's just to kind of see which one you would pick. No rhyme or reason to it. Um, so the first one I have is Seinfeld or Curb Your Enthusiasm? I would pick Curb because I'm in that headspace right now, and as much as and Seinfeld, obviously I loved it. It was one of the best jobs you could ever have in your life, but... I'm living and breathing Curb right now because we're sort of talking about talking about another season. Uh, this is a goofy one, but why not? Jeffrey or Greg? I would have to say Greg because I don't, Jeffrey feels formal. And especially if you make it G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y, then we're done. iPhone or Android? Oh, iPhone. iPhone. I remember when Apple, long, long time ago, when Apple was starting to like, they're like, it's going to go out of business. And I would only use like Macs. I'm just like, I'm just going to buy a ton of Macs and keep using them. I was like, I'm never, I'm not using that other thing. Fantasy football or real football? Ooh, ooh. Oh, that's tough. This is the hardest one. You can talk it out. It's totally fun to talk it out. So here's the thing. With fantasy football allows you to be a part of so many games and, and, also allows you to actually <laughs> beat, beat your friends, which is always fun. Um, and it allows you to have the message boards, which is a wonderful forum for airing every piece of dirty laundry that's ever happened to anybody, to, uh, to your friends. So in that respect, I have to go fantasy football. But on the other hand, there's nothing I enjoy more than being in Seattle and walking to the stadium and being a part of that crowd watching a game like i was there for the beast quake like i mm. felt the stadium actually shake um and even talking about it now i get goosebumps so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say real football all right uh writing directing or producing oh that's easy directing because the shows i do when i'm directing i'm also writing and producing <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Like, the shows we do, we every scene is a live rewrite, like Curb and the League, and like like there, it's a lot. We're literally there's an outline, and then we're writing the scene and moving the cameras. I'm moving the cameras and writing the scene at the same time, and it's this. It's like covering a live comedy sporting event. Um, so, 
and as a director, and I'm the director and the producer and the writer, so I'm, I'm, I'm always doing all of them, actually. So obviously with Brews Bros, we got Budweiser or Noble Beast Brewing Company. I'd have to go Noble Beast. Absolutely. I got to go Noble Beast. It's a Czech, it's a pale Czech lager from uh, uh, Chesky Budjevhovinsky. It's uh, this little town outside of, outside of Prague that has been making Budweiser, a Budvar Budweiser since like the 1300s. Oh my God, I should try that. All right, last one. The Schaefer brothers or the Nolan brothers? Wow. A little, little writing brotherly rivalry there. I mean, it depends on what you're, it depends on what you're looking for in your, in your evening. If you want to really uh, have your mind expanded and, and see scenes where you can't believe how they got that on the screen and oh my gosh, look at all that money on the screen, you gotta go Nolan's. If you wanna laugh your ass off, I think you gotta go Schaefer. <laughs> And what's interesting is, at least for a few Sundays, you're, you're getting to see a little bit of both on HBO, right? No, I mean, the one thing I'll say about uh, Bruce Brothers, which was like, we shot it, we shot it obviously before any of this pandemic stuff, and we edited it before all this pandemic stuff, and we thought that the show would be a really fun um, piece of wish fulfillment, because who wouldn't want to run their own brewery? Um, what we didn't realize was now due to the pandemic, it's wish fulfillment just to see people at a brewery. <laughs> So, you know, I would say no one can get out and it stinks being at home, but, you know, it's a really funny show to go take a look at, call your friends up, watch it. You can drink, each of you can drink alone together. We actually just put something out uh, to turn it into a drinking game too. So oh, um, absolutely. it's meant to just park your brain and escape for a little bit. Yeah, a good friend of mine, Caitlin, uh, I think she's seen, she watched all of them as soon as they popped on Netflix. And I'm like, what is this? She's like, he's going to watch it. I want to thank Jeff for chatting with me, and I want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. And until next week, take care.